0: Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. What a blessing it is uh, since the spirit of the Lord in this place. And, um, you know, what a blessing that is. I just want to say welcome back. Um, Oh, wait a minute. We were the ones that went, huh? Uh, We just returned from a a two-week vacation to uh, Oregon and visiting with family, so I want to thank you, church family, uh, for allowing Tracy and I uh, and our family this much-needed time to reconnect uh, with our families up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, What a blessing it is. Um, I feel like we moved back into the convection oven when we got off the plane in Austin, but uh, it's, it's a blessing to be with our family, a blessing to be home Um, I want to thank you also, um, uh, Joel, Brother Joel, for for filling in the pulpit while I was gone and for all of our staff for uh, taking care of of things. And what a blessing it is to be a part of Memorial Baptist Church. Um, We're going to continue on in our study of cultural harmony I feel like we as a nation need to come together and, and, and unite, um, and uh, we have needed that for some time. This morning, I want to speak about the sanctity of life. Um, I'm going to be in Psalms uh, 139, and if you want to open your scripture, we're just going to camp out there for a little bit uh, this morning. You know, we live in an age and a society that cares, carries with it a good deal of debate concerning human life. And um, I I want to address this, and and the lines have been drawn, and people have chosen their side, and it it seems that the issue, uh, it's an issue that very few people are neutral about. And uh, people (laughs) voice their opinion, and uh, whether we want to hear it or not, they usually voice it very loudly. Um, We're bombarded daily by all kinds of media shouting at us. About race, about whose lives matter, about vaccines, about immigration, about trying to control our thinking and lives from a humanistic and worldly uh, point of view. And, and we're bombarded every day with these kind of things. And I, I'd like to just shoo away the vultures, if I might, for just a moment. Uh, those who are looking to pick apart the the veracity of my words and to try and put me into a box or put me into one camp or another, uh, I want you to understand that I am not a politician, I am not an activist, and I'm not a comedian. Okay? You better know why you're there. All right? I, I am a preacher called by God to... My job and purpose this morning is to proclaim the Word of God to this generation. And I want you to know that I love Jesus. I love Him with all of my heart. So, the truth about God and His Word is what matters to me. And this morning, I would ask the question what matters to God? What matters to God? The way we live in our society, the things that we see going on, the things that we are bombarded by through media and other things, what, if, what part of that matters to God? Because that's what's truly important. That's, that's what really matters is what matters to God. Read with me in uh, Psalm 139. Uh, if you have your scripture, open it up there. Uh, I'm going to begin in verse 13 and I'm going to read down through verse 18. It says for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Loving Father, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you for your word to us. And I pray, Father, that as we look at your word, that that you would just open our minds, open our hearts, help us to see the truth of the things that matter to you. And Father, that you would just uh, put that on our hearts Father, if there is areas where we need encouragement, if there is areas uh, where we need grace, I pray, Father, that you would just uh, spread that out liberally upon us. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for each one of us. And Father, I thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us into all truth. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen. You know I would submit to you today that our lives matter to God our lives matter to God because he created each one of our lives as a precious life I'm going to use a little alliteration this morning so these these words are going to begin with the letter p but when we talk about this a precious life you know God is a God of life He's the creator of life. He's the one who gives life. And and I love this because we as believers are called to defend the life and the right to life of all children. He is a God of life. He is the giver of life. And so we are called as believers in Jesus Christ to defend the right to life of all children. I'm certainly glad that my mother was for life. I'm pretty sure you're glad your mother was for life too. We also have those who demand that it's the mother's decision to see whether the, uh, she keeps the baby or not. And they stand for uh, pro choice. And, and, and the debate continues to rage as to when the baby is conceived. Is it a, a fetus, an embryo, or an unborn child? But my interest today is not in all the scientific debate. Because I'm interested in what the Bible says. I'm interested in what God's word says. I don't care about what everybody else is thinking. I want to hear from God. I want to know what God thinks about this. Because I, I want to know what matters to God and what my creator thinks about me. He's the one who made me. He fashioned us. And this passage reveals that life is precious and that it's ordained by God. Our lives are ordained by God and we've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Consider the miracle of conception of how a a baby comes to be, how that life comes to be and it is totally and completely awesome. When God does that, when he brings about life and I stand amazed at the power of God in the development of a child looking into their eyes, knowing that they were formed in the womb, knowing that they've grown and and they've they brought into this world and, and God's design in all of that is huge. It's a precious life. And you see the phrase fearfully and wonderfully made, it confirms this because the word fearfully means that we have been created through a process that brings about astonishment or awe. We are fearfully made and it also says that we are wonderfully made and that means we have been made distinct that we are marked out that we are distinguished because each life is uniquely different and each life is precious. See, modern science declares that life is something that happened over time, that that, that millions and millions of years, and, and they contend that humanity evolved from a lower life forms, from some primordial goo that, that, that turns in and, and begins to develop and, and continue to advance. But brothers and sisters, it matters what you believe. Because your beliefs and your values drive your actions. If you believe that we came from this primordial goo, then you're not going to value human life. But if you believe that someone created you, unique and specific and precious, then you will value human life. See, I may not know what you might believe, but I choose to believe what God's word says. See, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, (laughs) I'm created in the image of God. I think he does pretty good work. You are made in the image of God. He does great work. You see, we're all made in the image of God. And, And I love that because he created me with a living soul. He breathed the breath of life into my body. God's word says in Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth. He's talking about dominion. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I can't make it any plainer. If we're talking about human life, He created them male and female in his image. Oh, if you go over to uh, chapter two, verse seven, it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God breathed his life into us He made each of us and we are made in his likeness. And therefore, I am a precious life. You are a precious life. See, you are also a particular life. Verse 15 in Psalm 139 says this. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Once again, we find that we were made by God. We were literally fashioned by his almighty hand. <laughs> Man, that's beautiful. He knows me. He fashioned me. It says there we were made in secret. And, and what he's talking about there, that is that idea carries the, with it the, the idea of being covered, of being sheltered. And God uh, hovered over us and he, he produced life when we were conceived and since we were marvelously made even before we are born what about our dealings and his dealings with us after we leave his secret workshop how he guides our paths through our life how, 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 how important is that? I mean, our new birth is even more mysterious than the first and, and it exhibits even more of the love and the wisdom of God as we grow in his grace and knowledge to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, so much of the formation of our inner person still proceeds in secret. Most of the time, you don't see the growth that is happening in your life that is God is using to mold and shape you. But understand this, the more solitude, the more one-on-one time that we have with God, the better it is for us. Because he's molding, he's shaping us, he's helping us, he's equipping us. See, I also find this phrase, Skillfully wrought, very interesting. I mean, it has the idea with it that of an artist mixing paints for a portrait, or maybe a a weaver skillfully weaving the fabric of a garment or a cloth together. You know, there is someone with a big O, someone who is in charge, who is who is in charge of the finished product. That's the way it is with each one of our lives. I mean, Almighty God is mixing the colors. He's choosing the fabric. He's weaving the fabric into our very existence. And he chose the color of our eyes and of our hair. He chose what our countenance of our face was going to look like. And we are a work in the master's hands. We are his masterpiece. And he signed his signature on each one of our hearts. And we know this is true. I'm not making this up. It's right here in God's word, his handbook for the human being. And my point is this, is that God created us as he desired. And he has created us for his purpose. The problem is, is we want to do our own thing. See, our physical attributes are only a portion of God's creation in our lives. He's gifted us with particular abilities. And even when we are in the womb, God had a plan for your life and for mine. Even before we were born, we read about this in Jeremiah 1. It says this. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Wow. See, me and God go way back. Before he formed me, he knew me. He knew my unformed substance. He knew me before he formed me. And he says, before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, he has a purpose for us. We need to understand that because we are a particular life I mean, consider all of those who never fulfilled the desire of God because they were never given the opportunity to live. God knew that I would pastor Memorial Baptist Church before I was ever conceived because He is outside of time. He he can see the whole thing from beginning to end, and He knows us intimately. See, God doesn't waste anything. So I'm like, I just want to ask, what is he preparing you for? What service is he preparing for you? What is your purpose? Not your purpose. What is his purpose in you? What did he create you to do? See, it's a precious life. It's a particular life, but it's also a predestined life. I mean, each of our lives are ordered from above. Even before we were born, God predestined us. And I know predestination is a doctrine that tends to scare some folks, but I want you to understand it is biblical. God knew us and he's in control of our lives. I don't have to worry about being in control. I don't have to carry that burden because he's the one in charge. He's the one carrying that. And because he is in control The rest of us can sing, it is well with my soul. I don't want to be in charge. Never asked to be in charge. He's the boss. He's the one in charge. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. And because he is in charge, it is well with my soul. In verse 16 he says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet they were not one of them. So he began to write his book when there was nothing yet recorded of us and God created us to become what he desired. And we must be willing to submit to his will for our lives. But understand, God is the one with the plan. He's the one who has the plan. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And often we try to put God in a box. And He's sovereignly in control of every aspect of our lives. There is not one life, there is not one person, there is not one living soul that God hasn't planned. Not one. See, our lives were foreordained by him. We were fashioned in continuance by him. And that speaks of a specific day and time and year. Just like at 1130 a.m. on August 1st, 2021, you will be in this building. It's no accident that you're here. You got up and you came. It is foreordained that you are here, that we would be here together. See, I rejoice that God is in control of my life. I certainly would not want to be in charge. He created us for his purpose and he continues to work through us for that purpose. And sometimes those, those famous Bible verses, those mountain peak Bible verses that we all know, they're famous and we quote them, sometimes they overshadow even other significant verses and I, I feel this way about Romans 8 28 and following because it says this in Romans eight twenty eight. it says for we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose many of us know that verse we could quote that verse the next one says for those whom he foreknew He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? What a great verse. It says that he created us for, for a purpose, that we are precious, that, that, that we have a particular life and that we're also predestined. Before I breathe my first breath, my life was in his hands and he had a plan for me and he has a plan for you. It's a precious life, it's a particular life, it's a predestined, but also a privileged life. Verse 17 In Psalm 139, it says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast the sum of them. I mean, we weren't just born and left to wander aimlessly throughout life. Just to find our own course, to do our own thing. You see, David, the psalmist here, he rejoiced because of the goodness of God in his life. The the, the fact that God is so good to us. He stood amazed that the Lord was mindful of him, and it is impossible for us to count all the many blessings of God in our lives. I mean, they would outnumber the grains of the sand on the earth, and I don't know about you, but I can't count that high. That is so far beyond. And that's what this scripture says. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand, (laughs) When I awake, you are still, I am still with you. I love this. It's a privileged life. I mean, what a fantastic and encouraging thought that God's love and his thoughts and his blessings toward me, I can't even count that high. Our feeble and frail minds cannot even begin to comprehend all of the thoughts that God has toward us. He is constantly mindful of us. He is constantly providing for us. The air that you breathe, he provided for you. The meals that we've eaten, the life that we enjoy. I mean, life itself is a privilege that some never get to enjoy. But you know, the child of God and for the child of God, life is truly a privilege, it's a blessing. Listen, I've been given the opportunity for salvation. I've been given the opportunity for a do-over, which I desperately needed. Each one of us do. Been given the opportunity for salvation to be saved and redeemed for all eternity. My sins have been forgiven My life has been cleansed in the presence of God. I stand justified by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He gave his life for me. And hallelujah, I'm not going to get what I deserve. And that's what this is all about. It's about Jesus. It's about being conformed to his image. Because God created us for a purpose. I've been blessed with the opportunity for salvation. I've been blessed with a, a great family. I've been, I've been blessed with great friends. I've been, I've been blessed with a great church family. I mean, I'm over the moon happy with what God has done in my life. I never dreamed this good. What a blessing it is to know Him. And He's blessed me abundantly through His presence, but also through His people. I mean, what a joy. Lastly, I want to say this. I want to say that a a human life is a preserved life. Verse 18, the second half says, when I awake, I am still with you. (laughs) David rejoiced every morning because God was still there. He woke up and God was still there. You've not left me, Lord. You're still here. He never had to face a day when he felt abandoned or forsaken. And he he belonged to the Lord and he knew that he was kept, that he was held, that he was sustained by him. You see, life may not always be everything that you desire, but if you are kept by God, you're saved. He, he, He holds us in the palm of his hand. If you are saved, you are kept by God. What a a beautiful thought. You don't need to fear waking up one morning to find that, you know, God's not there. He is always there. See, when you are saved, you are secure in Jesus Christ. There is nothing in this life that can separate us from the hand of God. This physical life will not last forever and it's appointed unto all men to die To all people, it's appointed that we all must die, but when the saved draw their last breath in this body, we stand in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we are made in the image of God. We're precious to God. Each life is a life that matters to God. And he loves us so very much. He's crazy about us. He keeps blessing us even when we're not deserving of that blessing he keeps on blessing us and you know what what a wonderful thing it is to know that God loves you that much Evelyn Christensen she writes the following she says I'm not afraid of death because I know it can be a blessing it is humanism to think that the best that could ever happen to us is here on earth that is not true she writes, I view death as my coronation. My death will be a victory. I want the hallelujah chorus sung at my funeral. I don't want to leave my family, but I know it is going to be fantastic on the other side. Because what we see is not all that there is. The apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 1.21, he said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. See, the truth is is that the keys to death are in the hands of Jesus, not in the enemy, not in, the, not in Satan, not in the devil, they're in the hands of Jesus, according to Revelation 1 verse 18. And according to Scripture, when I die, I'm going to receive my crown. <laughs> I'm going to be able to touch my Savior's hands. I'm going to be able to look my Savior in the face. To behold him, to see him, to walk with him, to live with him, and to talk with him. The one who gave his life for me. I will see the relatives that have died before me, my grandparents, all my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what death is. It's going home. See, there are many people whose lives seem to be taken away early but I've concluded that the purpose of their life was fulfilled in God's wisdom and in his timing. We don't have all the answers on this side, but we know that he loves us and that we can trust him. We're not here to fulfill our own purposes. We're here to fulfill God's purposes. And he cares about his creation. If I am living in conformity with God's will, If I'm obeying him and doing what he tells me to do step by step, day by day, then when it comes time for me to die, I know this is just the next step in his will. He knew me before I was formed, he's been with me throughout life, and he's going to take me home to be with him forever. I can trust that. You know the apostle John he writes in 1 John 5 and I'm I'm really almost done. He chapter 5 verse 11 he says this and the testimony is this that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I can't make it any plainer. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life. And I can't... We live in a crazy world. We live in a a world of uncertainty. Things change all the time. But I want you to walk away from here today with this. What matters to God? Your life matters to God. Your life matters to God. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just guide us into all truth. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in each one of our lives. And I pray, Father, that if there are areas that are inconsistent, Father, if there are areas that we're not being obedient to you, if there are areas where we are not honoring you, that, Father, that you would point that out and that we would confess that and repent of that. Father, I pray for our nation. I pray that you would guide us. I pray that you would unite us. I pray, Father, that you would continue to draw men and women to yourself, that the thing that unites us is is Jesus Christ, Father, and and the world is is trying to divide, the world is trying to to, to split that up, but Father, we know that in Jesus Christ, we are one, and we belong to you. So Father, I pray that this morning, as we have a, a time of response, Father, that we would respond to your Holy Spirit that the things that you are putting on our hearts, Father, we know whether we know Jesus or not. And so, Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts of the things that we need to do. Father, you've called us, you've you've given us purpose, you've given us life, you've given us eternal life. Father, my prayer is that there would be a great awakening. Father, that you would quicken our hearts as we see the day approaching when king jesus returns so father i pray that today that our hearts would be turned to you if we've never confessed jesus as our savior and lord that we would do that today father if we've never invited him into our heart that we would do that today And Father, that we would stop playing with the things of the world, but Father, that we would be about your kingdom business. Father, you love us so very much. You've created us. You've given us life. You've given us purpose. Father, may we find that purpose in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As our worship team leads us in.